Welcome to Heard at Heritage. Heard at Heritage features cutting-edge analysis and thought from leading experts in and across the conservative movement, as well as premier events and programming from the Heritage Foundation here in the heart of Washington, D.C., brought straight to you. Thank you for listening to this Heritage Foundation event. Every day, the Heritage Foundation holds important events with respected and influential leaders and policy experts on today's most important issues. Our events are part of our mission to formulate and promote conservative public policies based on the principles of free enterprise, limited government, individual freedom, traditional American values, and strong national defense. We hope you enjoy the program. Good morning, everyone. My name is Mary Claire Amslam. I'm a policy analyst here at the Heritage Foundation Center for Education Policy. Um, and thank you so much for joining us for what is sure to be a very enlightening discussion on U.S. higher education policy. U.S. higher education is certainly at a crossroads today. Polling conducted by Heritage Action found that 72% of Americans do not think that a four-year college degree is worth the price of college tuition today. Similarly, 71% of respondents agreed with the statement, there are many skilled labor jobs available in America that pay as much or more than jobs that require a college degree or do not require young people to go into debt with student loans. Americans seem united in their agreement that higher education is in need of serious reform, but you wouldn't know it by just listening to lawmakers on Capitol Hill. Despite the fact that Americans are $1.6 trillion in student loan debt, and over 5 million borrowers are in default, real solutions often appear out of grasp. While the left continues to put forward misguided policies such as tuition-free college or student loan forgiveness, these proposals will do nothing to drive down the cost of education and refocus learning on job-ready skills. Only reducing the federal government's role in providing student loans will drive down the cost of tuition and hold colleges accountable for the education that they provide. A blank check from Washington provides schools with all of the wrong incentives while leaving American taxpayers in the lurch. Coupling student loan reforms with an upheaval of our outdated accreditation system will provide students with more options to reach their career goals at a more reasonable price. Today, we have the pleasure of hearing from Senator Rick Scott of Florida to discuss the future of higher education in America. In a moment, uh, I will invite Senator Scott up to deliver some opening remarks followed by a discussion between Senator Scott and Heritage Action, Action's Tim Chapman. But before I do, I will briefly introduce our two participants. Tim, Cha Tim Chapman serves as the Executive Director of Heritage Action. In his role, Chapman is responsible for establishing a long-term strategic vision for Heritage Action while working alongside the Heritage Foundation leadership to ensure both organizations are working forward towards common goals. The Pennsylvania native is an original co-founder of Heritage Action for America, while serving first as its first chief operating officer, and has been the driving force in the day-to-day -day success of the organization. As a distinguished voice in the conservative movement, Chapman has served as a key advisor on public policy matters throughout his tenure in the United States Senate, and with the Heritage Foundation as chief of staff to former President Ed Fulner. Tim has been published and quoted in outlets including Political Magazine, The Hill, National Review, The Washington Post, Forbes, and has made multiple appearances on cable television. Rick Scott was elected to the U.S. Senate in 2018 and is currently serving his first term representing the state of Florida. 
Prior to his election to the United States Senate, Rick Scott served two terms as a 45th governor of Florida, working every day to turn around Florida's economy and secure the state's future as the best place for families and businesses to succeed. Scott grew up in public housing in the Midwest as his adoptive father, a World War II veteran and truck driver, and his mother, a store clerk, struggled to financially support their family. After marrying his high school sweetheart, Anne, Scott joined the Navy, where he served active duty as a radar man aboard the USS Glover. He used his GI Bill to attend the University of Missouri, Kansas City, and eventually opened his first business, a donut shop. Scott went on to run the, the world's uh, largest healthcare company and continues to fight every day so families across the state can have the same opportunities he had to live the American dream. So please join me in welcoming Senator Rick Scott. Good morning. I want to thank uh, Heritage for uh, hosting us here today, and thank you for the introduction. So, I want to thank everybody for being here today, and I want to thank uh, everybody for their interest in, in this issue. Uh, as we all know, students across the country are heading back to school, so there's probably no better time to talk about our education system and how important it is to keep education affordable and attainable for every American student. So here's why it matters to me. You heard a little bit about my background. I grew up in a poor family. Uh, we didn't have much. Uh, my mom and my adopted dad, uh, who was a truck driver, worked really hard to put food on the table, and they struggled all the time to provide. Uh, there were five of us. Um, I was the best. I was the second oldest. I was the best position. Now that I have grandkids, I've gotten to watch this. Even though my mom had no money, she's very, she was very optimistic and hopeful. Uh, she said that we were all blessed because God and our founders created the greatest country ever, where anything was possible, and she clearly believed that. So I thought my mom was the toughest person growing up. Um, I'm not sure she had a plan for us, but we had to sit through a lot of church sermons. We were expected to make straight A's. We had, of course, had to memorize the 23rd Psalm. We had to be Eagle Scouts. We had to clean the house uh, before we could ever go out and do anything, and we had to have jobs. And so I've worked all my life. She sacrificed so we could all have the opportunities in life that she didn't have, um, but we also had to work for them. She taught us the responsibility uh, to take responsibility for our own lives. I thought she was the toughest person growing up, and I thought, nobody's got it. Mom, I said, there's nobody like you. Uh, by the time I was 25, I finally started appreciating her. Because of her sacrifice, I had the opportunity to live the American dream. I started working when I was at seven. I worked um, all the way through school. I only went to high school half a day, and I worked the rest of the time. I joined the Navy at 18, got married at 19, and it's all worked out. I got the GI Bill, and it worked out really well. By the time I was 35, I'd built a successful company. I'd gone past the donut shop into building the largest hospital company ever created, and we employed uh, hundreds of thousands of people. And I went to, now, what do you think tuition cost when I went to school? Anybody have a guess? It's $200 a semester. That was junior college. This, the university was expensive. It was $255. And we didn't think there was any value of going to the university other than the junior college. So we went to the junior college, my friends and I did. And there, I remember there was almost a riot my first year because they're going to raise tuition from 255 to 275 a semester. And you could take 21 hours. So today, and, I, and by the way, I don't remember any fees back then because we would have complained about fees. Think about it, $200 to 255 Today, the average cost of a private four-year college is more than $32,000 per year. The average cost of a public four-year college for out-of-state students is almost $24,000 a year. The average cost of a public four-year college for in-state students 
is almost $10,000 per year. So wages haven't gone up like that. According to data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the cost of college tuition and textbooks has risen by almost 200% just in the last 20 years, almost four times the rate of inflation. The cost of a four-year degree has increased eight times, way more than the increase in wages. If you just stop and think about what, in, even though minimum wage hasn't gone up, if you, I mean, you could actually work part-time and easily pay your tuition. I mean, it's very difficult to do that today. This, so what, where we are is clearly unsustainable and results in two drastically different but equally challenging problems. First, a college education is becoming out of reach for more and more students. More and more students are losing out on the opportunity to live the American dream. Second, students who do go to, to a four-year college or university are becoming burdened with unbelievable amounts of debt, debt that is frankly unsustainable for people to pay off. By the way, when I was going to school, no one thought about borrowing money ever. And you never thought about getting a degree where there wasn't a job at the end. You, it was never even a concept that you would do that. Total student loan debt in the United States now stands at close to 1.6 or except $1.6 trillion. Just in the first three years, the delinquency of default rate is over 11%. 11%. Now the Democrats have their new grand solution. It's really great. Their plan is to make it all disappear. Just poof, it's gone. It's gone. I mean, wouldn't you all like to do that with all your debt? Just poof. So we're going to cancel all student loan debt, eliminate it. It's just simply magic. So think about it. If it's really easy to get rid of the student debt, why don't we get a credit card debt, mortgage debt, the federal debt? Just do all of them. And, and, and if you think about it, so let's say we do it now. And then the next 10 years, people are going to borrow again. So we're we just going to do it every 10 years. Why would anybody ever pay off their student loan debt then? You wouldn't. You'd be crazy to pay off your student loan debt. But of course, canceling student loan debt doesn't solve the problem. It doesn't fix the bloated bureaucracies of our public and private colleges and universities. It doesn't fix the, fix the fact that education costs are rising at four times the cost of inflation. It doesn't fix the problem of colleges and universities that are more focused on providing safe spaces to avoid tough issues than whether their students are prepared for a career in the 21st century economy. In fact, it makes these problems worse and sounds more of the burden on taxpayers. Let's remember the taxpayers are us. And we are already spending, you look at the last budget deal we just did, we're spending a trillion dollars more than what we take in. You can't make this stuff up. We take in around three trillion and spend four trillion year after year after year. There's a, there's a day of reckoning. As governor of Florida, I had two main goals with regard to education. To keep education affordable for students, and to really align the incentives in the higher education system to promote career readiness and skills training. My whole focus was to make sure students were able to get a job when they graduated. I always thought about what did I want when I got done? I would never have gone on to get more school if there wasn't a better job at the end. I mean, I was making plenty of money and where I was, and I only went to school because it was a better job. Over the last six years of my term as governor, we held the line on tuition. And by the way, when I became governor, they were raising tuition <clears throat> every year, 15% plus inflation every year. Every year. And they thought that was okay. So I had the opportunity to appoint uh, board members to the universities and state colleges. So when I interviewed people, if, if they said they were interested in raising tuition, I didn't, I didn't appoint them. And if, I, if they told me they were, wouldn't do it and they voted for it, when they came up for reappointment, I didn't reappoint them. Now, did, did I make everybody happy by doing that? No. 
but it did work. We also implemented performance funding. Do you think the school started off by saying, oh, we love to be measured? Of course not. So I asked the college and universities when I got started, I said, Get, tell me how you, give me your data, give me your metrics on, on, um, on how you, uh, how much, you know, the, you know, students make when they leave. You know how much data they had? None. I said, they said, I said, they said, you, we, we really can't do that unless, um, unless we talk to every student. I said, you guys do surveys, polls with 800 people out of 22 million people and tell me if I'm going to win an election. But you teach statistics and you can't, you can't use statistics to figure out what people are making or if they have a job at the end. So, but they had no data or metrics. So here's what we did. We created metrics that our colleges and universities had to report to the state, which such as how much it would cost to complete a four-year degree. What, that's the first thing you think about. What's this going to cost me? Do I get a job? How much money do I make? There were about 10 factors, but those were the three factors that, that it, they were all tied to those three things. If they met certain standards, they got more money. They didn't, they didn't. So it's, it, was, it, was, it, was, it, was a very, it was a measurement-oriented system, and it worked. We invested significant resources in career and technical training also, not just in our universities. So I challenged, we have, uh, in Florida, we, had, we have 48 technical colleges and centers, and we asked them to issue a guarantee to businesses that the workers are ready to work on their very first day on the, on the job, or they would be retrained at no cost to the company and no cost uh, to the student. Every one, of our, every one of our schools agreed to do it. So these are pretty simple concepts, uh, but it's basically aligning the incentive. Because think about it, at the end, if you're the student, you want to get a job, and if you're the employer, you want to get an educated student. So we align, we align the uh, incentives the right way for, for everybody. Politicians in Washington around the country, country they, they've just, they don't want to create incentives. They don't, want to create, they don't want to say, what do I want? Let's create the right incentive. They just want to give out money, which is your money, uh, with no results. By the way, when I became governor, there's 4,000 lines to the budget. And I said, so on each line, I said, what do we get for it? Nobody ever asked that. And so what we did when the budget was, we for every line, we said, we're going to get something or we're not going to continue to put the money up. And then we measured it every year. And if you couldn't get a return, we stopped doing it. So I've been, I've been a CEO for decades. When you're a CEO, you have to raise money. You either raise, you borrow money, you raise equity money. Everybody wants to get a return. The banks want to get interest on the money. Investors want to get a return. So I said, we're going to get a return for the taxpayers. Uh, there's certain things that you can even even make money off of, like a lottery, things like that. But the other things is, if you're taking care of autistic kids, are you doing it? And if you're not doing it, why are we spending the money? People came to me all the time. And by the way, nobody came to my office and said, spend less money or raise their taxes. Right? But everybody, I don't, even if we had a program that we did, dealt with something five or six ways, they have another way, but not to get rid of anything that we were doing. So the results speak for themselves. For three years in a row, U.S. News & World Report has rated Florida's higher education system as number one in the nation. Um, my good friend Rick Perry was governor of Texas. We competed all the time, so every time this comes out, I always call him. When I beat him in jobs or education, I always let him know. We have the second lowest state tuition in the nation, so it's, it shows you you don't have to be spending the most money to get the best results. Our, stu our students are getting a world-class education, but they can afford it. More and more Floridians are getting the opportunity to live their version of the American dream, and everybody's got a different version. 
In my eight years as governor, we created over our own right at 1.7 million jobs. I promised 700,000 jobs. All the economists said it couldn't happen. We did 1.7 million. And the state's got still has over 200,000 job openings. So we're training, we're training students to absolutely compete and win in the 21st century economy. The model we did in Florida can work anywhere. Now I'm looking at what I can do at, at the federal level in the Senate to drive down the cost for students and align the incentives uh, for them and their families uh, so we actually end up, we can afford something and they get a job. Student loan debts has soared because higher education costs have soared. Uh, under President Obama, the federal government took on the burden of issuing and guaranteeing more than 90% of all student loans. So it's like, what did, why? What did they solve? They didn't drive down interest costs. They didn't drive down defaults. Um, they didn't drive down fees. Who won? Who won? In business, if somebody came and said, do this, say, okay, why? What do I get out of it? But up, up here, that didn't seem to be an issue. So here's the problem. Students are told they, they have to go to a four-year college or university to be successful, and they're taking on mountains of debt. Colleges and universities are taking that money and using it to pay for bloated bureaucracies and a never-ending litany of new course offerings, and there's no concern if there's a job at the end. You know, why, would I, why would they think about that? Students are increasingly unable to pay their loans. The default rate's over 11%. And now, when you look at, look at all the data that's coming out, taxpayers are going to hold the bag. It's, it's, going to, it's supposed to be a moneymaker, right? When Obama did it, it was going to make, we're going to make all this money. That's a complete lie. I'm going to say a couple things that might get me in trouble. They're not going to be popular with the editorial boards or the pundits, but here goes. Number one, not every student should go to a four-year college. Every student should have the opportunity to use their God-given skills and talents, but for many students, like most of my nieces and nephews around the country, that means career or technical training, trade school, or an apprenticeship. And this training can lead to great, high-paying jobs. Sometimes it's way better than what you get paid if you get a four-year degree um, at universities. As I travel the state, I'd, I'd meet young people that are working at a restaurant or something, say, what are you getting your degree in? And they, I said, like, have you ever gone to talk to anybody? Is there like a job like that? And so many of them, nobody had ever talked to them. Number two, if you want to go to college and pursue any degree you want, great. You should pursue your dreams, but the American taxpayers should not be, it should not be on the back of our taxpayers. We shouldn't be on the hook for your interest in getting a degree when there's no job at the end. You can't pay off your loan, that's your responsibility. Number three, college and universities always complain they don't have enough money. They're lying. Just go back. Go, go look at what their budget was 10 years ago. and let, So how did they survive 10 years ago versus now? Look at, I mean, just look at the unbelievable increase in their budgets. So let me be clear with our Democrat friends. Eliminating all student loan debt is not a serious proposal. It's a slap in the face to those who have worked hard and paid off their student loans or in the process of doing so. And it creates incentives for the bad behavior to continue. So I'm working on a series of bills right now that I'll be filing soon in the U.S. Senate to drive down costs, ensure students are prepared to get jobs. So number one, if a student defaults on their federal loan, the institution where they took classes should be responsible for a portion of that default. It's their job. In the first year after the enactment of the bill, institutions would be responsible. You start with 1% of the value of the defaults and then he increases 1% every year, so at the end of the 10 years, they'd be responsible for 10%. By forcing universities to take more responsibility, they will have more of an incentive to actually prepare students for a job, a career, instead of encouraging mountains of debt 
and degrees that don't lead to jobs after graduation. Second, the rules, the rules that we apply to for-profit institutions should apply to not-for-profit institutions. There shouldn't be a different, there should not be different rules. There's no, there's no logic. At the end, they're supposed to have affordable education and a job. All institutions should be held to the same standards when it comes to preparing students for jobs, and they should be accountable for their performance. We implemented the performance metrics in Florida with great success. I want that same thing to happen to all universities all across uh, the country. So they focus on keep the cost down, make sure our students get a job, and make sure there's a good paying job. Third, if a college or university raises tuition or fees, they will be automatically cut off from all federal funding, including federally guaranteed loan programs. That's right. All federal funding will be cut off if tuition or fees are increased. So we held the line in, in tuition on Florida, and you can do it nationally. So if you, if you um, I've, I've done a variety of businesses. If you're in the, if, take manufacturing. If you're in the manufacturing business in this country, you're expected, your customer expects you to create productivity gains every year, which means your prices have to come down. And you as a consumer think the same way. Why shouldn't we have the same expectation for our universities? So the expectation is they have to get more productive every year. Why are we spending all this money on technology if there's no productivity gains? Fourth, Pell Grants should be eligible for use at technical colleges. Our great technical schools prepare students for work in high-demand fields, and students should be allowed to use Pell Grants to pursue the education that will put them on the path to success. Current law arbitrarily limits Pell Grants. If a student has a Pell Grant, they should, grant, they should get to use it to get the job that they want, not what, what some higher education institution wants them to get. And finally, we've got to get rid of all the onerous Obama-era regulations that hinder private lenders from giving loans. If a private bank wants to lend to our students, have at it. And, and you as taxpayers shouldn't be on the hook. Why are we on the hook for everybody's uh, student loan debt? It's not good for our students. It eliminates accountability, and it's not good for taxpayers. It makes no sense. You would never, in the private sector, you would never think about doing things this way. So these are just a handful of ideas that I'm proposing, but there's, I know there's a lot of other great ideas out there. I hope we can get something done to fix the problems in higher education. And absolutely, I absolutely believe all this is doable. I believe that the Senate job is no different than being a CEO, no different than being a governor. If you will have, if you will work your tail off, build good relationships, and have ideas and, and find people with common goals, everything is doable. Maybe not in a day, but it's all doable. So if you stop and think about it, our country really is experiencing, it, what's, what's going on right now is exciting. Uh, we've made advancements in technology and medicine space exploration, um, you know, things you couldn't even think about. By the way, my seven-year-old grandson, it took him to Kennedy Space Center. He said he's going to be the first man on Mars, and he said, Grandpa, it's safe. It's all safe. <laughs> safe to go to space now. We've been able to accomplish the, these things because of our entrepreneurial spirit and the great institutions of higher education in our country. But our higher education system doesn't serve the student, and we need to change that. They've got to be focused on their, on their customer, which is the student. Um, I fear that if we stay on the path that we're on, it will be harder and harder for some of our best and brightest students to get the education and the opportunity they deserve. The Democrats are proposing policy plans that would bankrupt and destroy our country. Uh, just, they're just doing it to, to win. They're just having presidential moments. Uh, they just want to win a primary. Hopeful parents and grandparents deserve better. Hardworking students deserve better. They deserve, they deserve a serious discussion about a path forward on issues so important to many. So I look forward to having a conversation. Thank you for the opportunity to be here.
Um, we, we could not be uh, happier to uh, partner with you on these efforts. At Heritage Action, we've been pushing this issue for a while now, along with our colleagues at the Heritage Foundation. Um, as, as many of you know, we've built a, a network of activists across this country who are passionate about the ideas that the Heritage Foundation espouses, and this one is really on fire right now. Um, as mentioned earlier, Mary Claire uh, talked about some of the polling that we, we did here at Heritage Action, and we, we did a significant amount of polling work where we talked through some of these issues, and what we found is that just the numbers are, are staggering. I mean, a, as mentioned, it's three-quarters of people across this country think that the deal that is proposed for college right now is not a real deal. It is a bad deal. It, it ends up hurting um, hurting the people who, who take the, the deal. Um, and then you combine that with the fact that people in battleground districts and battleground states across this country right now um, really are concerned about things like automation um, and concerned about maybe the, the, the jobs not being there. At the same time as being concerned about that, they're looking at the fact um, that there are all these jobs out there that are available now that people don't have the skills for. Um, and so these things are popping in a way that um, is starting to really look like a very clear um, need for a, a comprehensive policy um, answer to this, and and the left has, as you just as you just walked through, the left is proposing the completely wrong kinds of policies. Now that said, I do think that the left is over the target in trying to address an issue. I will give them credit that they understand that the American people really are worried about the cost of higher education. They're completely wrong in how to deal with it, but at least they're addressing it. You know, it was, uh, it was interesting. I thought Pete Buttigieg, when he first came out as a candidate, he was saying some things that were close to right. <laughs> so he was saying... He was addressing the issue and he said, look, why is it – how in the world is it fair that 50 percent of this country subsidize the other 50 percent who are going to college, but the 50 percent who don't access federal funds don't get any sort of subsidy like that? How is that fair? Um, and then, of course, his answer is let's make college free. And that, again, you know, that's the, his answer. That's the Warren answer. That's all of them if you run through it. The problem that they have is that their proposals actually are regressive proposals. Their proposals actually hurt the people that they're trying to help. And the proposals that you're talking about are, are the opposite of that and will actually uh, go a long way towards doing this. We, I do want to put in a little plug for, um, for the Higher Education Reform and Opportunity Act, which we've been working with Senator Lee on. I know you're very well aware of that. This goes right to the heart of some of the things you've been addressing. And I really, I, the four things you just mentioned, I can't wait to work with you on and get our folks working on. Um, I wonder if you could just start out um, by maybe commenting a little bit on what I'm talking about here with, with the left and the way that their proposals are actually regressive and hurt the people that they are trying to help. So think about it this way. If, if, you, if you take my mom, my mom had 11th grade education and my adopted dad had a 6th grade education. If, if, you, if you take about a parent like that, you know, like my mom said, you're going to college. That's what she said. She said, you're going to college. There's no question about it. Now, she had no idea how to pay for it, um, anything like that. And she said, you're going to have to pay for it, so you're going to have to work. So that's what you know, my brothers and sister and I all, all believe we had to do. So think about what we've done to, the, to these families now. So that mom, that mom gets their son to go to school today, and then the school says, well, here's, what, here's right over here. You can borrow money for – you don't have to worry about working. Let's go borrow this money over here. You can you – know, you you, you you know, it's, it's let's say, ten dollars or $15,000 a year. It will pay for your school, pay for your um, dorm and all that stuff. And by the way, it, you know, you're just here to learn. We don't care whether you, you, know, you get a job. That's what we're selling them. 
So at the end, at the end of two, maybe the kid doesn't finish, so he just has the debt. Well, let's say they finish and they have twenty or thirty or forty thousand dollars worth of debt, and they go home, and their mom says, "That's great. We're so excited. We came to your graduation. Where are you going to go to work?" We didn't think about that part, and so they, and then they go get jobs that they could go back to their community and get the same job they they done, but now they have all that debt. So that's what's that's what's going on. So so if you left, to the, what, there's no proposal from the left that fixes any of that. Because if you look at the mom, I mean, she's saying, I want you to have a better life. There's nothing that left something that says you have a better life. You know, you can go borrow money and go to school for free and maybe still get a job. But what? there's no, there's no incentive. The schools, I mean, it was so frustrating when I got started that there was no focus on a job at the end. None. Not any of them. I mean, and, and, and the, I, I remember uh, one of uh, the class president at one of the schools, I, w- I was pushing one of the schools and the class president got a degree and couldn't get a job, and there was no conversation about it. So I think, I, so, I mean, there's, they're not, help, not helping anybody, but at least they're talking about the issue. And, um, but, uh, so I, I think that what we sold in Florida was hard because the schools had sold that you got to raise tuition every year. But today, the, the, today they would not be able to sell that. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, where do you think this? Where, where do you think it changed? At some point, it really did become that everybody has to have this four-year college degree, and in a way, it was almost like it's an elitist mentality that basically says if you don't have this four-year college degree and you have you're in you a must trade be an idiot. or something like that, you're an idiot. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what they. That's I what mean, they. That's what they sell. So, so I don't know when they started that. I mean, I I know my mom. Like in my mom's case. She, this is so different back then because none of us went to school. To, we had a purpose at the end. All of us that went to, in my high school, very few kids went to buy, went to college and went, where I went to school. But all of us that did, we were getting a job at the end. Yeah. There was there was a purpose for a job. So I just I just I think I think making the loans easy yeah. changed it. I think that probably changed it more than anything else. But I think at one time when I was growing up, it really did change. Yeah. If you got a four year degree. Um, but we didn't have degrees, and we had no – I don't know. Anybody got a degree where you couldn't get a job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things we always like to talk about um, at Heritage and, and as conservatives, we believe, is there's dignity in all kinds of work. Right? Yeah. Um, well, and almost, you can achieve the American dream in many different ways. Almost all my, all my uh, nieces and nephews, almost none of them went to college. And none of them I – I can't remember when any of them in this recession, any of them have been unemployed. Yeah. I mean, now, are they, are they, are they making – Five hundred thousand dollars a year? Yep. No, but are, do they have a house? Do they have kids? They're happy, and, and you know, so and they have uh, they have a good standard of living. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They were not crazy. They didn't want to go build a business like I did. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I want to drill down a little bit on the uh, on the performance funding metrics. Um, I think that's really uh, a, an amazing story. Um, talk a little bit about. Um, about what those looked like in Florida. And then do you think that you can, are those one size fits all or would you need to do different kinds of metrics in different states? So here, here's, the way, here's the way I thought about it and here's what we accomplished. So I said, there's really three things I care about. What's it cost to get a degree? Now think about that for a second. It's not just tuition. <clears throat> Did you graduate? Yeah. And so the, the, what was happening in these schools, they didn't care if people graduated. And you couldn't actually graduate in four years. Because they didn't teach the classes you need to get done in four years. So if you wanted to get this degree, you couldn't even get the classes. Mm-hmm. So, so the first thing was if I just thought about what did I think about when I went to school? What's it going to cost me? Do I get a job? Do I make more money? If those things don't fit, I'm not doing it. And, and, I, and I think that's true for a lot of, a lot of kids that there's somebody else is not writing the check. Mm-hmm. 
And so the way we ended up getting it done was we um, there's a guy, um, Tom Coons, um, two guys really, Tom Coons and Moore Hussaini helped. And we sat down with the universities. And so ultimately, those were the three factors, but we measured graduate, you know, we measured about 10 things. It was, it was graduation rate, it was tuition, um, and, and, but it all came down to those three things. Mm-hmm. And now, are the schools happy? No. I mean, none of them, none of them, uh, <laughs> none of them, you know, are out there saying, we love this. Yeah. And yesterday, we, they announced um, Florida's number seven in the country and FSU's number 18. Did they all say, man, we got there because we love this performance funding? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so, you just, so you just have to keep selling it. If you don't, if you don't point, by the way, if you don't point the board members or don't get, uh, like here, I'll give you an example. Mitch Daniels, you wouldn't have an issue. The guy believes. Okay. But if you look at, if you look at, uh, like I, we have a guy, um, John Kelly, that runs um, um, Florida Atlantic. Yeah. Florida Atlantic down Palm Beach. He took that school from almost the bottom to the top in one year. But here, so, so how do you do it? You do it like you do in business. So he wanted to make sure people graduated. Yeah. So he had counselors that talk to people all the time. Yeah. If you don't show up to class, somebody's going to call you. Yeah. Imagine that. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> like what you would do in business. You just solve somebody's problem. Right. So you mentioned, um, and, and we'll open it up here uh, in a moment for uh, questions for, for the senator. Um, you mentioned the, the proposal to free, uh, not allow federal funds to go to schools that raise tuition. I'd imagine that is going to cause a lot of um, a lot a lot of consternation with the schools. Talk about why you think that's possible. So, so why aren't we supposed to get productivity gains? Yeah. Okay. So, so you would like to make more money, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Don't you have to be more productive? You're going to expect to make more money. Yeah. Okay. So if it's the same as, as like a business, when a guy at a manufacturing company is like one one that built uh, like the outer body for the Corvette. The, man, the manufacturers wanted a lower price every year. Yeah. Okay, so we had to sit there and say, how can we do this more productively? Can we buy the commodity better? Can we? Can we? Is there? Do we spend money on equipment? But think about it. we're spending all this money on technology, and what are we getting for it? Yeah. Like if we're not going to get it, I mean, use paper then. Right. And so there, there, and and think about this. We got we've got all this online opportunity. So you go to places. Why does it cost as much or more to take stuff online than on campus? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, would you ever? So, yeah. I mean, this, there's no concept. I hear you. You'd agree to. So we ought to fi- we ought to be able to figure out how because because the goal should be, what do we want to get? We want to get a student ready for a job. Right. That's all. That's the whole focus. Yep. And so so what can we what can what are the things we can do to make it more efficient and yeah, I mean, our schools are not. I mean, yeah, they're not running on max max efficiency right now. I think right. they've got a lot of room to squeeze some more in. I mean, no doubt. No, they're 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 there to get revenue. Yeah. So I'll give. Well, you- and that that's another another point that I think is worth uh, drawing out a little bit. The the subsidies that are going into the schools right now are not being spent on educational programs. They're being spent on more administrative bloat. For the most yeah. part, and there was a big study that came out a few months ago that showed how, how all that money's funneling into administration and not uh, programming. So t- talk about that a little bit and the problem there. Well, the the money the money ought to be you should you should drive down your overhead in your business every year, right? right? And as you get bigger, your overhead cost as a percentage of your revenue should be coming down. As you go, you should be able to get more efficient, yep. right? Right. 
It's just the opposite. I mean, as we give them more money, they get more administrators, they get more people above people. It's mm -hmm. the same problem in, in K-12 education. Yep. I mean, that's why the charter school movement in Florida is doing so well, because yep. we, we keep you know, building bureaucracy instead of, of getting the money to uh, and directing it to the best teachers. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I mean, there's, there's no logic to why this, that what, I mean, that you would never do this in your business life. Yeah. If you, the way I, uh, it, it's insane. And, and the, when I referenced the polling that we did, the numbers amongst uh, Republican voters were so much higher than, I mean, we had 72% of all voters saying that it was a bad deal, but Republicans are up near 90. And a part of that is because a lot of conservatives look at this thing that is happening with money going to uh, more administrators, and they're seeing it as part of the problem with, like, the over the, the political correctness on campuses right now. Look at all the openings we have of, of jobs where they don't have people don't have the right degree. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll give you a story. I, so I recruited a lot of companies to come to Florida. I was so mad when one of them recruited a big company to come to Florida, introduced them to the higher education the state system, and I yeah. said, look, I can guarantee you if you need these number of jobs every year, I can guarantee that the school will focus on it. Yep. Two, years, two years later, I just happened to, to be at a soccer game with my... Uh, that my grandson was playing in with the CFO of that company. I said, well, how's it going with the schools? Uh, we haven't talked to them. We had a nice meeting. I yep. took them to the campuses. Yep. That was it. Because no there's no, there yep. was no focus yep. on. The whole, the whole focus is, do these students get jobs? That is the reason we are spending this money. Right. You want to spend your own money? Have at it. Yep. You want to take somebody's taxpayer money? It should be going to something that's going to improve the economy. Absolutely. Questions for the senator? Right, right here. Good morning, Senator. Gary Bacon, Paul Fox Corporation. Hi. I've got a couple parts to the question. Thank you. First, I'd uh, be curious as to uh, know whether you have compared and contrasted um, the success rate of, I think it's about 15 universities right now that do not accept any federal funding, and uh, take a look at those, their success rate versus the others. I've, not, then, I've not seen that. Is there a study? Uh, I was I know that, we're going to look at that on this U.S. News report. So. Okay. Um, so that might be an interesting observation. Um, I didn't hear you talk about any of these universities' endowments. I mean, some of them are in the yeah. billions, and it just doesn't seem logical that an organization that has a billion-dollar uh, endowment that it could tap into is raising tuition rates. And then you know, the, what we, what, how we did that is if a school asked for – like, you know, the way the, the way the budget works in Florida, we have a session every year for 60 days. And so if a, if school got through the budget process because the House and Senate do the budget, uh, and I just get, I line on veto. If you raise tuition, I vetoed your projects. Okay. And, and the last is, have you anticipated any attacks from the left on your proposal? Um, I'm sure there is something racist about all of what you're doing. <laughs> and and uh, I'm sure the president is is part of the problem. I was wondering if you have anticipated any of the attacks and have started to blunt any so of that. In Florida, what happened is, as soon as I started complaining about the tuition, of course, you know, I don't care about, you know, whatever. Um, but you know, over time, you just you just keep selling it. So I'm sure I'm sure that, you know, the the answer to everything is, yeah, if it's governments involved, you have to spend more money, at everything, and I mean, and you shouldn't have tie. Uh, things to performance. I mean, that's that's been a common ingredient all along. When I was governor, people. Um, I mean, look, there's there's both parties that tell me that all the time. And, you know, this is government. You shouldn't be doing that. But 
I always try to, the way I always try to think about it is always remember what the goal is at the end, and the goal at the end is take care of students. And my, my other belief is if you, take, if you make a, pro, a system that helps a student like me growing up, everybody does pretty well. So, and so if you think about, think about that mom that's, that's telling, you know, saying they're hell-bent on their kid going to school, well, create the system where at the end the mom succeeded. So the kid had a better pay, had a, you know, had a good job, and because it makes them, like my mom and dad, they struggled financially. So by the time I was, what, 28, I was able to help them financially. And it was, you know, so that's it, the way the system ought to be. How do you, uh, we'll go, I just one question. How do you feel like this set of issues played in your campaign for Senate? Oh, I think people liked it. Um, the, um, I, so we did a bunch of things. Um, so we had, so here's, you love this. So we had a great, a really good prepaid college program that got set up in Florida. With, by, in the four years, or five years, because I couldn't get things stopped my first year because I didn't have enough appointments. In that five years, the cost of a, a prepaid plan went from 100 for 18 years when you had a new child, you'd pay it prepaid on a monthly basis, um, from $100 a month to $350 a month, or from $10,000 you paid it up front to $54,000. So when we stopped the tuition increases, it dropped in half to uh, $27,000 up front or $175 a month. Um, that gave $700 million back to Floridians. Um, by fixing the, um, the economy, our revenues just skyrocketed in Florida. Um, we were able to take care. We have a Bright Futures program for our, our best students. They can get a, uh, a, almost a free ride if you go to a Florida university. We were able to cover that for the summers and all those things. I think, there, you know, there's not one thing, it's, yeah. but it was it was it was very helpful. Um, and then the schools all love the fact, you know, they wouldn't give you credit um, for performance funding, but when you know when you go from, um, uh, you know, you get down to seventh or eighth or ninth best public university in the country, yeah. all the Gators are pretty happy. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's great. I mean, I ask because I just think it's so important that conservatives, um, as they head into 2020, really understand that they can have a political winner here. Tim, the way I, the way I thought about it, almost everything I did was if you can make it a better system for a family like mine growing up that struggled financially, mm -hmm. then you've got a great story to tell everybody. Yep. Okay, whether that's ability to get a job, whether it's kid, a better K-12 system or a better higher education system. If you make it, keep making it better for those families, everybody does better, and it's, and it's the right policy, but it's, it's not bad politics. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, ma'am. That got caught in the system of the government takeover. They've got huge debt. Yeah. I Any solutions for that? I don't. I don't have. I don't have a proposal for that. I think that you know they're they're going to have to you know to work through it. We've got to help them get better job, better paying jobs. Um, but you know, and there's other proposals out there. I think uh, Mitch Daniels got a proposal for against for new students. So let let an individual take uh, pay for your school, and and then you give up a portion of your income going forward. But I don't. I, don't, I think it's. I think I feel sorry for the kids that that didn't um, think through. When I talk to students, I, say, I, I mean, I, I, I talk to lots of students, and I say, you know, you should do everything you can to not have any debt, zero debt. You should, you should figure this out. And, and um, so 
So, so the bill that you mentioned uh, that would put uh, universities on the hook for defaulting on loans, that would only be going forward. I mean, I'm, look, I have, no, I have no problem making the institutions re- accountable for this because they're the ones that, that are getting the revenues. If you're in, in, your, in your business life, if your customer doesn't get a return, you're out of business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the same thing ought to happen here. Yep. Yep. Other questions? Yes, sir. Senator. Oh, thank you. Uh, actually, from the University of Florida, so go Gators. Uh, you talked about it a little bit. I'm sorry? You're seven's best. <laughs> um, you talked about the role of, of for-profit, uh, for-profit colleges. What, what role do you see that they play in higher education overall? I, I think, I think um, that they ought to have the same opportunities. They ought to have the same rules. Um, and if they can do it better than um, uh, not, you know, not-for-profit government institutions, have at it. I, I was in the hospital business. I, could, I pay taxes, um, and I compete against uh, not-for-profit hospitals. It's, it's the same thing. I had to, get, I had to be better than them because uh, I, I, mean, I paid $2 billion a year in taxes, um, the company I ran did. So not everybody compete, but same rules. It, you know, it, everything applies the same way. Have you spoken with the president about this issue? Do you, do you have a sense that they m- might be kind of coming – around your position here? I've talked to him about a lot of, a lot of things. Um, not talked to him about uh, the cost of higher, I don't, I don't remember that I've had a conversation with him about the cost of higher education, but I, I think that, I don't know why he's, he wouldn't be supportive. Well, for what it's worth, you know, we've spoken a lot with their, um, their political team on this and trying to make sure that they understand the uh, urgency around the issue. And, um, and, and we're encouraging a lot of other folks to do so as well, because I really think, you know, going into next year, um, the Democrats have their position and you can't, you know, beat it with nothing. Um, you got to have something. And, um, and hopefully it centers around right, right where you are. Um, maybe time for one final question. Yes. Hi, around the corner here. Uh, Alex Krigstein with the University of Florida. Um, first, I want to say thank you. We wouldn't have achieved that rank if it wasn't for your leadership when you were governor. Um, it's one exciting. thing. It's, it's exciting for, for oh, you. Uh, president is really pumped. And again, we can't you thank you Thank you. Board chairman is a, is a huge fan. Um, can you expand a little on the bright futures? You know, something we're really proud of at the university, 90% of our students are going either tuition free or basically 75% tuition free. And obviously, that's a huge talking point for, for the Democratic Party right now. So could you expand to see if maybe that could play so, across the country? So I don't know when this got started, but there, in a lot of states have done this. They have, the, have programs for the best students to stay in state. And so and it was, the way it was set up in the beginning was if you, if you fit that, then you didn't have any tuition. And so it was, it was a really good deal. And then what happened in the downturn, um, Florida went from having big surpluses when Jeb Bush left to – with my predecessor, they ran big deficits. They start cutting back on programs. And so they cut back on what uh, – they did two things. They cut back on what, what Bright Futures covered. They also had um, the um, – they had a tuition differential. So they didn't raise tuition. They raised this, this fee structure differential. And then Bright Futures wouldn't cover it. And then they stopped covering it in the summer. So they did a variety of ways where Bright Futures didn't cover everything. So it wasn't as good a deal. And so what we kept doing is, you know, just when the way it worked in Florida, I'm, I was a governor for eight years, you have eight sessions. And so every year you just, you push to get everything done you can. And so by the time we got out, we were able to get not only the cost down, the prepaid down, but also cover or bright futures covered everything again. And so, uh, so it's, it, 
uh, so it, it helps all, you know, it, the best students want to go to the best schools, and so we did that in Florida, and also they want to stay because they've got a great economic deal. So it, everybody won. It's good for the state, and we need, we need the graduates um, because um, the number of jobs that are adding every year. When I was there, we're adding between 220 and 250,000 jobs a year, and uh, so, and everybody's moving there, so. Move there. You're going to move there. It's just when you do it. Minus do it when you're young. The, um, the I think the latest numbers are. Um, I, I called Rick Perry about this. Um, the we have more people moving to Florida than Texas. So, if, so Rick is Rick was a great competitor. So I tried to beat him at everything. So, if you ever talk to him, ask him why he was number two in fishing. So, yeah, that's that's healthy iron he told, sharpening. Iron. I gave him this number two trophy on national television, which <laughs> really loved a lot, and so he loved it so much he sent me a video of it blowing up, about twenty <laughs> feet into the air. Uh, Senator, on behalf of Heritage and Heritage Action, I want to again thank you for your leadership on this issue. I mean, this is so important, and I really do believe that we've got to get the message right. We've got to get the policies right. Um, and if we do that and we win over the American people, we can build a mandate for 2021 for action on these issues. I think that's really important, and it'll help so many people out. So thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your time. Please join me in thanking Senator Scott. Thank you all. Thanks. Good job, man. You too. Um, yeah, I'd love to see the podium. I will. I will say something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know Brad as well. Yeah. You know, so in Royal, it's like awkward stuff. It's, they help you on how you present it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's where it's, it's not like you're going to like this.